If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Your holster is way more important than you think it is. It's just way more important than you think it is. What Look, and I get that. The holster's not the sexy part of carrying firearms, right? You want to talk about your weapon and your ammunition. You, you want to talk about your safety training. You want to talk about how you did at the range. Oh, look at my groups. I was doing these failure drills today. And all that stuff's really important. I mean, really, really important. I'm not discounting that. But I've known so many people who do all those things. They take all the necessary steps, and then they carry with a holster they bought from a big box hunting store that was made a thousand at a time. Please, don't put your life in one of those holsters. You need to trust Northwest Retention Systems because it's all custom-made gear. It's the only thing I carry around. NWRetention.com. That's NWRetention.com. Use the promo code JESSE. Get you 10% off. This is The Jesse Kelly Show. Imagine what it would be like to have your eyeball dissolve and run down your cheek. Yeah, it's going to be a sweet day here on the Jesse Kelly Show. We have told many a cool history story on this show. Today's very well may top them all. We have inflation that is apparently starting to 
run away from us? We're going to have to talk about that today on the show. The cyber attacks are not going down. They're going up. We have Rebecca Heinrichs next hour. She has a new article out about what happened on January 6th and why it happened. You're going to want to buckle up for that one. I've been talking to her off air. It is going to be a great day. But first, the whole eyeball thing. Let's rewind just a little bit and go back to World War I. You know I love World War I. I find it to be the most fascinating conflict out there, period. I find it to be more fascinating than World War II, which I know that's crazy because World War II was so much bigger and, and more commercialized and there was more color video and, and, and photographs and stuff like that. But World War I changed the world. Let's go set the whole thing up for you. And this is going to be the most 30,000-foot view of 30,000-foot views. Here's the deal. Germany. Let's focus on them to begin with. Germany is a relatively young country at this time, and I don't know if that's even fair to say because the Germanic states that eventually formed Germany had been around a long time, and those peoples had been around. But Germany itself being one unified country by World War I time, it's like 50 years old. They just got there. But they're German, and German people are incredible people, frankly. They are meticulous, disciplined, focused, and the German people back then were building a juggernaut of a country. Their economy was booming. Their fertility rate was booming absolutely through the roof. See, we don't talk about that much now because that gets uncomfortable. But people getting married and making babies is actually a really important thing for a nation. And they were just cranking them out in Germany. Their military, booming. And they have a little bit of an inferiority complex. Why? Because they're kind of so new. And as the new kid on the block, they're looking around and they're looking at France. They're looking at Britain. They're looking at Russia. And you know what they're saying to themselves? Well, why does Britain and France, why why do they have so many colonies around the world? Colonies were such a huge thing back then. I can't properly describe for you how much of a prestige thing it was to have colonies. Setting aside the the economic value of having colonies, we're getting spices from here, we're getting rubber from there. setting, Setting that aside at all, setting aside the military aspect of having colonies. Britain did this all the time. They'll just, they'll go to war and, oh, hey, Canada, yeah, I need a couple hundred thousand troops. Go ahead and send them over here, please. Setting aside that, just prestige alone You had to have some or you weren't really considered to be one of the big boys. Germany looks around and says, I'm stronger than Britain. I'm stronger than France. And and they might have been. That's, That's tough to tell. Why don't we have more colonies? And they had just fought a war, the Franco-Prussian War. So these were a people who were more than willing to make war. They were an aggressive people and they were in your face about it. That was Germany. Russia, much different story. 
Now, yes, they were aggressive, but Russia is just a country that's very, very, very difficult historically for anybody to get their handle on. It's huge, and it's so huge that it it's almost a bad thing it's so big. I mean, there were there have been wars out there. They, they fought a war with Japan, and one of their biggest struggles was they couldn't get the men across Russia to the front in time to fight in the war. It's just vast. You just disappear in it. And because it's such a huge place and so many different types of people, and there's so many different ethnic groups, it's just hard to control. And by this point, by the early 1900s, they are on the twilight years of the czar era. They were run by czars, an autocrat, a king. He's a king. I don't know why we have to have all these weird words for things. He was a king. That's what he was. And this king, Tsar Nicholas II, he's going downhill. He didn't ever want to be czar to his credit. It just kind of fell into his lap. Didn't want it. Got stuck with it. And the country was coming apart and very angry. Very angry. And this is pre-World War I. They were very angry. Now, World War I kicks off. As you well know, because you listen to my show, Austria-Hungary was one country. They were allies with Germany. They were the ultimate paper tiger. They were, a, they were a country that had been really tough for a long time, and now they were just at the back end of that, too. And they had somebody assassinate. Gavrilo Princip assassinated one of their leaders. I, I, I could go on for hours about this whole thing. He assassinates one of their leaders. Austria-Hungary hands them a list of demands for having their leader assassinated. They can't do that. The Serbs can't do that. So they turn to their buddy, the Russians, and say, are you going to let them talk to us like that? Russia says, no, I don't think I will. Austria-Hungary, we're coming for you. And Germany says, oh, okay, Russia, then we're coming for you. But the plan for the war was this. Germany had a plan I mean, the other countries weren't necessarily wrong thinking Germany was a little too aggressive. Germany had a plan to win a world war, to win a war in Europe. Their plan was, we cannot fight a two-front war. You don't want to be sandwiched from both sides. What we will do is this. It's a famous plan. It's called the Schlieffen Plan. What we will do is this. We'll pretty much ignore Russia right off the bat. Because Russia is so vast, they're notoriously slow. And I don't know whether that means they actually move slow or it just flat out takes that long to get people places there. But Russia's notoriously slow. So let's just ignore Russia. We'll throw all of our troops into France and just land a big old knockout blow right off the bat. Knock France out. Then we'll turn around and take on the Ruskies. Well, Russia ended up moving a little faster than Germany thought. So Germany was having to deal with Russia sooner than they wanted. Which brings us to a fortress. This fortress, I've heard it pronounced like nine different ways, and it's not pronounced any of the ways that it looks like it's pronounced. The best, the one I hear most often is Oshovitz. Do not bother looking that up because it's spelled something like O-S-O-W-E-I-C. I don't, I don't, abla. all right? I don't, I don't speak that language at all. Shut up, Chris. I dabble in a little Spanish every now and then. Uno and dos and stuff. I don't know my way around the language, Chris. Anyway, 
Russia had built this fortress on their border. On their, it was essentially in Poland. So they built it on their very much western border, and they built it for a couple different reasons. There was a critical railway line that went through there, and the area is just full of swamps and bogs. So essentially they found a bottleneck where the only way for the, for the railway and everyone else to go is this area, and they built a fortress in there in the late 1800s. But you have to understand something about fortresses back then. When you think fortress, when I think fortress, you think tall walls and things. No, this is actually much, much, much cooler. I'll tell you about the fortress. Oh, and runaway inflation. Hang on. Is he smarter than everyone? Who knows? Does he think so? Yeah. The Jesse Kelly Show. Here's a direct quote. I love these things. They will take the odor out of most anything. They helped my allergies as well. Thank you for a great product. Here's another one. Love my thunderstorms. I ordered two and I cannot begin to express my delight. My condo smells fresh every day. Really has made a tremendous difference with my allergies. I highly recommend this product. I am looking at page after page after page of reviews for the Eden Pure Thunderstorm. It's not just me. I promise it's not in my head. This thing takes the odor away. It doesn't doesn't cover it up. It takes the odor away. It took my allergies away. It kills viruses. It kills bacteria. And it does all this from this little black box that goes right in your outlet. It's quiet. You don't even know it's there. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. That's EdenPureDeals.com. Use the code JESSE at checkout for 10 bucks off. It is the Jesse Kelly Show, 877-377-4373, jesse at jessekellyshow.com. I've been told it's probably not appropriate to be excited when I'm discussing dissolving eyeballs. I have to clarify something. I get excited when I talk about history. I try to dial it down sometimes, but then I have too much coffee, and the story's just so freaking cool. It's one of those stories that I have to slow myself down sometimes when a story has a specific part I want to get to because I want to get to it now. (laughs) And I'm having to slow down and set it up, so just hang on on that. We have inflation. We have cyber attacks. We have gas lines. We have Hamas still blowing up Israel. We have uh, a bit of craziness going on out there right now. Oh, by the way, the inflation number, how much inflation we have, yikes. Buckle up. I'll go over all that in a little bit. But let's get back to our story first and foremost. In the late 1800s, Russia, they knew Germany was getting very aggressive, so they built this fort. 
I call it Auschwitz, Auschwitz, Auschwitz. It's it's a weird name. They build a fortress. But you need to get it out of your head, the tall walls and things like that. Fortresses, because of the advancement of artillery, fortresses, the the ones with walls and such, are useless. Those walls are just going to get knocked down as soon as that big artillery comes up and blows it out of the sky. So fortresses started to get built underground. Not much of it's out. You'll have a cannon sticking out here, and maybe a little wall here, but you have so much dirt and concrete and rebar on it. They are underground fortresses. And not only was Russia so concerned about Germany that they built this fortress, they continually upgraded the fortress as Germany's artillery kept getting better and better and better and better. And Germany had some sick artillery by this point in time. I, I Pause there for a moment. Talking about Germany's artillery. When Germany r- tore through Belgium on their way to France at the beginning of the war, Belgium had a bunch of forts too. And I mean state of the art. They were, they were top notch at the time. At least the Belgians thought so. Until the Germans brought up their artillery. And it turned out German artillery had advanced to the point they essentially had bunker buster artillery, huge exploding shells that don't explode on impact. They bury first before they explode. So Germany just smoked Belgium's fortresses right off the map. Well, Germany, at the outbreak of World War I, they looked at this fortress this Auschwitz fortress, and said to themselves, we have to have it. We have to have it. It controls the railway line. The rest of this area is a boggy, marshy dump. It sucks. That fortress is critical, which makes sense. That's why the Russians put it there. So what else was around the fort? And this is going to matter for the purpose of our story today. They had two defensive lines. The outer ring, the the big outer ring. Yes, it's exactly what you think. It's a trench with barbed wire in it. It's a place where you put some dudes. Then you have an inner ring, yet another trench that's even deeper with more barbed wire and machine gun nests. It's obviously put up in a very, very strategic place. These guys are not idiots, the ones who build these forts. They build them to make sure you're going to die if you try to take them. The Germans are not going to be dissuaded by this. The Germans want this fort, and this is very early in the war. They try an all-out assault on the fort, and they simply get slaughtered. Get slaughtered. These Russians, remember, there's only ever about eight or 900 Russians in this fort at a given time, and the Germans will assault it with thousands and thousands of men, and they'll just die on the barbed wire and die from the Russian artillery. It's terrible, absolutely terrible. They fail. But if at first you don't succeed, try, try again. And that's part of what makes World War One. So terrible and at the same time fascinating. When you read the individual stories, and this goes across all the battles of World War I, they were just always like this. The individual stories of how, I don't know if it's fair to say lives were thrown away. Because oftentimes these, these commanders who would order these men to charge, 
oftentimes they would just they would break down. They would have nervous breakdowns, not able to take the sight of it anymore. But it's I don't know that there's a better way to put it. Lives were simply thrown away. World War One, remember, brought with it. It brought with it some new technology that was uniquely terrible. And technology oftentimes, almost all the time, outpaces the generals. Meaning you're a general and you've, uh, to make it really simplistic, you've, you've fought, you're Hannibal Barca. You've fought a thousand battles with swords and spears and shields and elephants and bows and arrows. And all of a sudden somebody hands you a machine gun. You don't, you don't know how to deal with that. Someone hands your enemy a machine gun. What are you going to do? You don't know how to deal with that. You don't know how it's going to be employed. Well, that's what you saw so much of in World War I. The machine gun was now a big thing that people had. Artillery was a big thing. The machine gun was a big thing. And it's not really that complicated. Prior to World War I, for the most part, you could gather up your men in mass. Yeah, let's say 50 of us together and charge, sally forth, well, either on foot or on horseback. Draw your swords, boys. It's going to be a valiant cavalry charge. You, 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 know, you know, and that's the way it was always done. In the defense of those generals, that's how combat had been done for all of human history. Only now, and I find these times to be fascinating, like that, that's gone. Because I don't care about your stupid horse and your stupid sword. And frankly, and I know this sounds terrible, I don't care about your stupid bravery. I have a machine gun nest. I'm going to kill all of you and your horse before you ever get close to me with that stupid sword. And they just would throw lives at defensive structures time and time and time again with horrific loss of life. There's a battle, we're not talking about it today, but there's a battle called the Battle of the Somme. It's a very famous battle. Any Brit would know about the Battle of the Somme. It's one of, if not the deadliest days in British history. And I think the number is, if I remember right, I'm doing this off the top of my head. They lost 57,000 men in like two hours. Wrap your mind around 57,000 men in two hours. That's the grand total of how many we lost in seven, eight years in Vietnam. All of them. And oftentimes... And I, I don't want to try to, I don't, I'm not trying to gross you out, but oftentimes they all died in the same place. Like at the Somme, they had men charging machine gun nests and they would find a hole in the barbed wire. They'd finally get a hole cut in the barbed wire so the men could charge through it. They'd all gather up, they'd, it would bottleneck at the hole. And then you had Germans from an elevated position just aiming a machine gun at a hole. A child could have done it. And killing so many guys, the bodies get piled so high, the Germans have to go out and push over the piles of bodies so they can see. What does that look like? What is it? What does it sound like? Because they're not all dying right away. You see what I mean about how unbelievably terrible it was? And I wanted you to understand how terrible it was because you have to understand what comes next from a German perspective. We'll go over that and then... Joe Biden, hang on.
One of the worst things about quitting dipping is how irritable you get. I wish I could sit here behind the microphone and tell you, oh, man, I was I didn't change at all when I quit dipping. I was so nice. Totally a friendly guy. No, I didn't change one bit. Oh, I changed. I changed. I changed because I was doing all the wrong things, right? I tried cold turkey. Oh, then I was just mean. Bubble gum, that didn't work. Uh, everything. It just didn't work. What worked was Jake's Mint Chew because Jake's Mint Chew has, on top of the 11 different flavors of Long Cut, they have four different flavors of CBD pouches. You know what that does for you? On top of having the cleanliness of pouches, it takes that edge off. Go to jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Use the promo code JESSE when you get there. That gets you 20% off. It is the Jesse Kelly Show, 877-377-4373, jesse at jessekellyshow.com. We have Rebecca Heinrichs coming up in about an hour. She has some scoopage on what happened January 6th that you're going to want to be around for. We have a fun show today, melting eyeballs not included. I do have to do something that I wasn't going to do, and it just occurred to me it'd be rude if I didn't. My grandpa died this morning. I, for one, Grandpa Hank was his name, and he was an awesome dude. One of those guys lived through the Depression, war, a veteran, uh, great dude, great family, just a great dude. I wasn't going to say anything because I don't like doing that. And, and I, I genuinely, I really mean this. I don't need your emails of, of that you're sorry and stuff like that. I appreciate all that. That's not why I'm telling you. I wasn't going to say anything at all. I don't like coming on. Oh, everybody cry for me and give me attention. I don't like doing that. I just, it, it occurred to me next week might be a disaster for the show schedule because of different funeral things. They were in Ohio. I'll be traveling. It just... Next week, I have, I have to go to Ohio for all this funeral stuff, and I have to go to New York City at some point next week. So if the show schedule is screwed up, while I'm fine if you email Jewish producer Chris and scream at him for not getting it uploaded, it's actually not his fault. It may be a mess of a show schedule next week, so that's why I felt the need to tell you. If the show, if the show isn't, isn't on the airwaves next week, I didn't die, and no, I didn't get fired. Very much the opposite. It's, it's just it's been, a, it's been a crazy week, all right? So rest in peace, Grandpa Hank. See you, see you again one day. All right. Back to our story. I wanted you to understand the level of carnage these countries were going through when they were throwing themselves against these defenses. And I wanted you to understand it because of this. One, the anger that was creating back home in all of these countries. All of these countries. When you have that many people dying, that many of your young men dying, the anger at the leadership of the countries was, oh, you could taste it. You read the stories about it. I mean, imagine the, Brit, the Brits, for one, the Brits lots of the time, and a lot of countries did this. Guys would sign up 
from the same area, you know, one little town, and they'd put them through the same unit. So you'd put them through basic training, and then when you send them out, you put them together in the same unit. The thinking was, you know, they know each other, they'll fight better. I mean, that's kind of true, but then you charge the wrong machine gun nest. You haven't just killed a bunch of dudes. That's bad enough. You wiped out all the young men in a particular area. All of them get the letter on the same day. Man, we regret to inform you. That is heavy, heavy stuff. So because the anger back home at this kind of loss of life that nobody in the world had ever seen before, these countries were constantly, constantly trying to figure out how to defeat these defenses in a way that wouldn't get everybody killed. Germany was no different. They were experiencing the same thing. Back to the Oshovitz Fortress. I already said they tried once early in the war to take this fortress. A lot of men died. They backed off. Then they tried a second time to get there. The second time, at least they got through the first line. They didn't even get through the first line on the first attack. But then it stalls and it fails again. Understand what I mean when I say stalls. I mentioned barbed wire earlier, and it's not sexy and you don't think about it. But if you have a bunch of strands of barbed wire in front of your trench, oftentimes these troops will run up to it and they snag on it. You get stuck on it. You can't just run through it because you're angry. Now you're standing there in front of a machine gun nest trying to get your pants unstuck from the barbed wire. It's, te- it's just terrible. I mean, World War I is just unspeakably bad. So they tried a second time, and that one failed too. Then they try a third time. And this time they think they have it figured out because, again, they're always advancing. Okay, here's what we're going to do. We'll try to blow out the machine gun nests with a huge artillery barrage. That'll get the machine guns out of there. Then our guys will be able to charge up and run those dirty Russians out of the fortress, right? That's what we're going to do. It almost works. They barrage the fortress. They do blow up a bunch of parts of it. Then they charge again, and they still can't get through. Now Germany's desperate. They need this fort. And remember how I said the countries are always advancing. Too many men are dying. Figure out what you can do. Germany had been working on something. Something unspeakably awful, if you're on the receiving end of it. But if you're fighting a war where men are entrenched in trenches, where men are entrenched in underground fortresses, men have buried themselves in the ground as protection from your bullets, from your artillery, you need to find something to get them out so your men will stop dying. You need to find something to break this terrible World War I trench-on-trench stalemate that's going on. And Germany had found something. Chemical weapons. Chemical warfare. In particular, Germany had been, you know, those wonderful German scientists who do very great and very terrible things throughout history. Germany had discovered chlorine gas. And I need you to understand something about chlorine gas. When it hits water of any kind, any moisture, it turns into acid. 
It turns into acid that kills every living thing it touches. It essentially dissolves anything with water on it or water in it. Any kind of liquid at all, it just dissolves it and destroys it and turns it into mush. When you use chlorine gas, you, one, have to make dang sure the winds are flowing the right direction, but two, you understand that it's going to flow a certain way. It's going to look green. You should know it looks green, not yellow like the movies. The gas, the chlorine gas looks green, and it's heavier than the air. Now, I'm about to get gross here for a moment. I apologize. Who do I? Who am I kidding? I'm not sorry at all. But this is going to be gross because I want you to understand when it hits the human body, one of the very first things it's going to destroy is your lungs and your mouth. Why? Because you're breathing it in and you have all that moisture in your mouth and your throat and your lungs. They're going to begin dissolving inside of you immediately. Those eyeballs of yours, when's the last time you pressed your fin- closed your eyelid and did that weird thing you did as a kid and pressed your eyeball to hear the little squeaky sound? I know what you're talking Don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about. I know you know what I'm talking about. Well, it makes that squeaky sound because there's a ton of moisture in your eyeballs. Yeah, they're going to begin to dissolve too. At some point, and this takes a little longer by the grace of God, but it's going to flat out attack and irritate your skin because your skin has moisture on it. It's so unspeakably bad because it's just the it's just got to be the worst way to go in human history. There are stories of men quite literally tearing out their own throats with their hands because it hurts so bad and they can't breathe. It's terrible. Absolutely terrible. Germany looks at this fortress and says to themselves, why don't we just use some of this new chlorine gas and take care of this problem? What happened next? We'll buckle up for this one. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. Like a stain on your brain, you can't get out. Hi, we're the Goo Goo Dolls. We're fortunate that we can give our daughters everything they need to grow and learn. But not every child can focus on classes and play dates. Nearly 13 million kids in the U.S. face hunger. That's one in six. School lunch might be their only meal each day. And it's heartbreaking to imagine any child going to bed hungry. We're dreaming of a perfect day when kids can smile, play, And just be kids without worrying about where their next meal will come from. Feeding America is working to make that perfect day a reality. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste. That food is given to families and children in need. Being a kid should be about doing things that make an ordinary day extraordinary. Learning to play an instrument, building a sandcastle, hosting tea parties. Hunger should never be an obstacle to growing up. You can help end childhood hunger in your community by visiting feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council.
guys are bad. I'm not supposed to be answering all these questions. I'm supposed to leave, but I can't resist your questions. <laughs> what? Wait, what? It is the Jesse Kelly Show. You can find me on social media at Jesse Kelly DC on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find me on Locals, too. That's the place I can't get kicked off. Chris, play that again. I have to hear it again. You guys are bad. I'm not supposed to be answering all these questions. I'm supposed to leave, but I can't resist your questions. I'm, I'm, I'm not supposed to be answering the questions? You guys are bad. I'm not supposed to be answering all these questions. I'm supposed to leave, but I can't resist your questions. Who's telling the commander-in-chief he can't answer questions? Might be a question we dig into here in a little while. All right, let's finish up our story here. This is going to be the fourth try for the Germans to take the Oshovitz Fortress. They're going to now use chlorine gas. We got about 900 Russians, 900 to 1,000. They don't know the exact number. 900 Russians inside this fortress. Brave men. The Germans release the gas. They watch it flow across the terrain and try to picture this moment because this would be so unbelievably creepy. You know how I said it kills everything? As the gas flows and it's making its way over to the fortress, the plants are dying. The grass is dying. On the spot, the leaves are turning yellow and then black and then falling off of the trees. The birds are falling out of the sky. The animals, whatever they encounter, this animals are falling over dead. It's just a green cloud of death oozing its way across the landscape, heading towards the fortress. And my goodness, if you're a Russian in this fortress, what's going through your mind watching the cloud of death come your way? Because, oh, did I mention something? The Russians didn't have gas masks. The Russians didn't have gas masks. The men in the trenches on the outside are the first to die. The chlorine gas is heavier than air. It gets over the trench, flows down in the trench, and now the men in the second trench are listening to the men in the first trench drown in their own lung fluid. Some of these men, uh, they had to be shaking in their shoes, and to their credit, they stayed. They didn't turn and run. They stayed. What kind of a beast do you have to be? And they're trying to put rags over their faces to to make it better, but it doesn't make it better. And the men in the second trench die too. And finally the gas gets to the fortress itself. Remember the beginning I told you about the fortress? The fortress is underground. That gas flows right down into the fortress, making its way down and down and down and down. And men are dying in the dark. I've heard horrible stories about World War I where men in their own desperation will rip the gas mask off their friend's face to put it on just to make the pain stop. The Russians die. Almost all of them. The Germans think they're all dead. They think they're all dead. But the Germans do not realize There are a hundred, roughly 100 of these Russians who did not die yet. They are unspeakably mangled. 
I wasn't joking about the eyeball dissolving thing, the lung dissolving thing. You are, this is not some, uh, you know, it's not something I'm making up. You're quite literally coughing up your own lungs. They are a bloody, bloody mangled mess, the hundred or so surviving Russians in this fortress. The Germans do not hear them. The Germans think they're all dead. And these brave Russians decide we're dying anyway. We're miserable anyway. Why don't we go make them earn it? And these Russians, instead of laying there dying, instead of ending it all, these Russians fix bayonets as the Germans are approaching the fort, the fort. And I mean thousands of Germans are approaching the fort. And these hundred Russians fix bayonets and come screaming out of the fortress with blood pouring out of their eyes and face. And they look like zombies, like real-life zombies. And the Germans called it the attack of the dead men. The Germans were so horrified by the sight of these men who looked like they had died. They did. They thought they had died and come back to life as, as ghosts to haunt them. The Germans were so scared, thousands of them. These are brave Germans, by the way. This is not cowardly little girls. They turn around and start running. Many of the Germans throw their weapons on the ground just to get away from these dead people who are charging them. Then they're so out of control, so wild with fright of these dead men, they start trampling to death troops that were behind them. You have now a stampede running away from these Russians who were not quite dead yet. The Russians had thrown some other reinforcements up there. Now they were charging up, shooting some artillery. The Germans ran away and didn't take the fort that day. I'll wrap up the story in just a sec. Hang on. Northwest retention systems might save your life. That's not an over-exaggeration because bad gear, I have seen it, bad gear can and will cost you your life. That holster you bought at the big box store that was made 10000 at a time, probably in China, that's the thing that's going to fail you when you need it most, when you go to draw that weapon of yours off your belt, God forbid if you have to, but if you do and the holster breaks away from your belt and comes apart and you can't squeeze the trigger, now you're dead. Northwest Retention Systems is American-made custom gear. Custom gear. Make sure you get quality when it comes to things like your life. Go to nwretention.com. That's nwretention.com. Use the promo code JESSE at checkout. That gets you 10% off. It is the Jesse Kelly Show, 877-377-4373. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Do not 
forget, tomorrow is an Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. Yes, next week may be all messed up for me with the, the grandpa's funeral and the New York trip and everything else. It may be all messed up for me, but tomorrow, oh, we'll be here. We'll be in the house rocking and rolling. You new listeners, understand this. On Friday, there's enough bad stuff we talk about all week. Friday, I do a history story, and then we do your questions. They don't have to be political. They can be. That's fine. But email me your questions about anything. Love, hate, relationships, travel, food, stupid scenarios. The dumber it is, actually, that's probably the better chance I'll answer. Oh, that's not true. I I try to answer everything. All right, I'll wrap up the story of the attack of the dead men. And then we'll talk about this Joe Biden thing. Hang on. Jesse Kelly Show. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. Well, first of all, the conference will decide, but I don't think anybody is questioning the legitimacy of the presidential election. I think that is all over with. We're sitting here with the president today. It is the Jesse Kelly Show, 877-377-4373, jesse at jessekellyshow.com. We're going to address those comments by Kevin McCarthy here in a second. We have to address the comments by Joe Biden. I do want to put a bow on our story from the beginning. The attack of the dead men. If you missed it, you are going to want to tune in for that one. You can catch the whole show podcasted after the show on iHeart, Google, Spotify, and iTunes. Don't forget we have Rebecca Heinrichs coming up here in about 20 minutes or so. She has some January 6th stuff to talk about. But first, the attack of the dead men. For those curious, those hundred men who charged... Yes, most of them did die in the end. They did succumb to their gassed wounds. But the Russians did take the fort back. They reinforced it. And then the Germans eventually got the whole thing anyway. But the attack is the cool part. But why didn't the Russians have gas masks? Why didn't the Russians have gas masks? The Germans had gas masks. You know why the Russians didn't have gas masks? You want to know why there were Russian soldiers in Oshovitz Fortress drowning in their own lung fluid? Because the Russians didn't take care of their economy. You see, an economy is not just stocks and bonds and salaries and buildings and pavement and fancy cars and fancy meals. An economy is your health care system. An economy is your national security because it funds your military. 
over a year ago when I was screaming on day one, not day two, not day 20, day one, when I was railing against the idea of locking down an economy. Obviously, I was accused of being an unthinking, uncaring monster, so on and so forth. What I was trying then to explain and what I will explain again now, an economy is the lifeblood of your country, of every part of your country. And when it falters, when it goes south, people die. More people die than could ever die from a virus that came from China. This costs lives, an uncalculable amount of lives. I'm looking at a headline right here from CNBC.com. Inflation speeds up in April as consumer prices leap 4.2%, the fastest since 2008. 4.2%? And this is just beginning? What if it goes up again 4.2% next month? And it probably will. And then next month. And then the month after that, and then the month after that. What if everything you buy, not just gasoline, gallon of milk, cheese Whiz, don't lie, I know you buy cheese Whiz, whatever you buy, what if it all goes up 50%? What if it all goes up 100%? Can you afford to have everything in your life cost double what it costs you right now? Can you afford that? When I was making these warnings in the past, when I was saying, stop panicking, yes, it's a virus, it's serious, stop panicking, no, we're not closing an economy, no, we can't close it, what do you mean go home, what, everyone, what, you can't do that, this is why. We took the golden goose, we wrapped our hands around its throat, choked it to death, while at the same time printing more in unbacked currency than any nation has in the history of mankind. And now, now real people, working people, they are going to suffer for this. And you know what? Panic is what did it. An emotionally instable, unthinking population is what did it. When a government bureaucrat, or you know what, screw a bureaucrat, when a president, governor, mayor, when they stand up behind a podium and say things like, well, we are closing down restaurants. We're closing down this business. You're allowed to stay open. I think you're essential. You, though, you have to close. The American response is, go screw yourself. I'll be opening, and so will everybody I know. You're not in charge of me. Oh, but there's a virus. Yep, there is. I suggest you and your cronies go figure out how to deal with it and let us know. We're not destroying the lifeblood of our country because you're panicking and want me to panic. That's how you respond to things. But instead, we didn't. And you know what? And this is going to hurt. Trump's responsible for this too. Donald Trump is responsible for this too. And you know I'm a fan of his presidency. Donald Trump told everybody to go home. 
Donald Trump let Fauci and Burks stand up behind that podium for months and tell people everyone's going to die, shut down your economy. Yes, I know he came around eventually. 99% of the right came around eventually. By the time they all came around, it was too late. The narrative had been set. Why do you think you still have people out there driving around by themselves in a car with a mask and gloves on? The narrative was set early. This is not about coronavirus. This is about the future. The next time the system tells you you have to panic, you better panic, hide, run, give me power, you respond by saying no. That's what you do. We are going to pay for our COVID panic for decades, not months, decades. That kind of financial destruction is unheard of. The most financially destructive policy in the history of mankind is shutting down an economy because of a virus. In the history of mankind, we haven't even begun to see the financial fallout from this because all the stupid money printing and spending just covered things up. And, and, and all it did was, all we did was wake up with a hangover and chug a bunch of tequila. Woohoo! I feel good. I don't have that hungover anymore. Yeah, wait till tomorrow, pal. Talk to me how you feel then. You think we don't have crises coming still? Let's set aside the inflation. Remember what I was telling you a year ago on the show? As soon as they did that, and you know what? Trump was in on this too. As soon as, as, soon as they did that, well, you don't have to pay rent. You got a month off from rent, two months off from rent. Don't worry, we're not going to let anybody kick you out. You don't have to pay rent. Oh, oh, okay. So the landlord, what happens to him? You see, landlords aren't a bunch of billionaires smoking cigars, eating caviar. Landlords are people just like you and I who invest in a property and then almost always have bills to pay on that property. I own this building. I have to pay the bank back. Oh, thanks, everybody. You just told none of my tenants. You just told my tenants they don't have to pay me anymore. Oh, Mr. Banker. Yeah, you can stop calling me now. I don't have any money to pay you because my tenants don't pay me. And these aren't only huge banks. Sometimes these are your community banks. Sometimes these are your credit unions. Guess what? Banks aren't evil either. Banks have bills to pay too. Oh, looks like we're not going to meet the bottom line here at Jesse's Bank and Trust. Why? All the landlords stop paying their bills. Are you starting to see what's coming? Panic has a cost and it's high. You know, your house smells. Don't get mad. Don't get mad. My house smells too. I'm not not indicting you. I'm sure you keep a clean home, but just time means you're going to acquire smells, whether those are cooking smells that get in your paint, your carpet. Maybe they're animal smells. Maybe you're a smoker or someone else was. Just living creates smells. I didn't realize that my home had a smell to it until I got my first Eden Pure Thunderstorm, the greatest air purifier I've ever ever owned in my life. This thing, I had it plugged in for two hours. I came back in the room and my air smelled so clean. 
I now own three of them. I'm not making that up. This thing has absolutely changed me on top of what it's done for my allergies. Go get one. Get two. Be like me and get three. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE. That gets you 10 bucks off and free shipping. EdenPureDeals.com. Promo code JESSE. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 